Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ed McKnight. Major Nicole. And so on the show, we have got another case study Sunday, and we are very pleased to be joined by Stevie Waring, a property partner and financial advisor. Stevie, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much. And of course, case study Sunday is the day where we go through a couple of real investors, open up their finances, and talk about what real people are doing in property. So tell us, who are we talking about today, Stevie? Today, we're talking about Jack and Lisa. Cool. And tell us about them. Where do they live? What stage are they at in their lives? What do they earn and what do they do for a living? So this is a couple based in Nelson. They are 51 and 55. They work in marketing. They also work for the government and they're on really good income. So 110 and 115K. Yeah, great household income, two hundred and fifteen k in total. So that's really, really strong. Two twenty five. What did I say? Call yourself an economist. Honestly, mate, no. Now, tell me as well, what was their household debt like? That's what I want to know. So their house is worth 920k and their mortgage is 374k. Great. So they paid off about two thirds of it. So it's been a mix of the property uplifting in value since they purchased it and they've been relatively focused on paying it off. It hasn't been really aggressive, but it's certainly been a focus. Yeah, if they want to pay it off over the next 10 years, that's saw some pretty aggressive debt repayments there. Now, my next question is, okay, so they've come and they want to talk to a financial advisor, obviously, if they're chit-chatting <laughs> to you, but why did they do it? How do they want their lives to be different after investing in property? Because this is going to be their first investment, right? That's right. So when they came to me, they've actually spoken to quite a number of financial advisors before, different strategies, different methods of closing that gap. And what they really wanted was, you know, the classic comfortable retirement. So they actually see it on the horizon. They've got two adult children who have moved out. They've already moved to Nelson, so they're one step of the way there. (laughs) Exactly. So they're, they're living in the area that they want to retire in. They're paying down their mortgage, but what's next? And what does a comfortable retirement look like for Jack and Lisa? So they're really family focused. So a lot of people that I talk to, they've got these big ambitious goals for retirement. You know, they want to travel the world and and do all of that. They just want to be comfortable. So they want to be able to go out for dinners. They want to be able to look after their grandkids. They want to be able to give them that opportunity and help one of their kids out into their first homes. Just one of the kids? The other one is sorted. (laughs) (laughs) I thought they had a favourite. And so obviously with the 225k income that they've got at the moment, really strong income, but I'm imagining they're paying KiwiSaver and mortgage payments on at the moment. So they might not need the same money when they're retired. That's exactly right. And they came in very aware that they have been spending a lot of their income, right? So they've been living it up large. They haven't been tracking their spending but they don't have much to show for it either. So when we broke it down and we talked about what they actually needed, the number that we came up with was 100K of passive income because that's going to allow them to do the odd trip, the odd bit of travel in retirement, but really have some cash funds available if the grandkids need help in their schooling or or anything like that. That was a big focus for them. Okay, so when we're talking about 100K in passive income, I always think of the golden goose, but are we going to use the golden goose or are we going to use the nest egg strategy? They were very, very set on the golden goose strategy Mm -hmm. after listening to the podcast. Right. And pop quiz for you, Stevie. Explain the golden goose to us for any new listeners of the show. So the golden goose is where we build up our assets to a high enough level that we can eventually live off it. So we're assuming that if we have, you know, in this case, $2.5 million, if we're getting a 4% net yield off that, 
that will provide us 100k per year. And of course, a lot of people wonder, well, how are you going to do that if you've got mortgages to pay and you're always on interest only? Well, the trick is with the golden goose is you buy more assets than you need and then you sell some of them when you get to that stage where you want to live on your assets. Yeah, but key thing is we're living off the rental income, right? And so it goes on forever as long as you hold those assets. Okay, so you've given the game away. We know how much they need to build up. Two and a half million dollars of assets in today's money, and that's net assets. So what all of your assets are worth, excluding your own home, minus the debt you have on those. So how on track were they going to be if they were just doing what they're currently doing? So talk to us about what they were currently doing to get there. So currently they're putting money into their KiwiSavers, and the only other asset that we took into account was half of the superannuation. So he is going to be 65 in 10 years' time. So we're relatively confident that he is going to get superannuation, but we don't want to rely on it being exactly the same as it is today, especially because she's a few years younger. So we actually took into account half of that. So KiwiSavers, half the super, they're 30% of the way there. The other reason I like that you've taken only one person's superannuation when we're talking about a passive income, and this comes back to the age gap episode we did not so long ago, is that if you're at a couple and you're getting two superannuations, when one of you pops off, well, then that income goes down. But if you're only taking into account one superannuation, well, then if it is there, and as you've assumed it is, then once one of the partners decides to reach heaven's pearly gates, that 100K, <laughs> what? I always say that. I know, it's just a weird, it's still weird. It's not weird. I mean, they're a well, normal he, person. Just, like, decides to. It's not like <laughs> they're sitting there one day. Oh, Laws have changed, I'm, Andrew. I'm, I'm, I'm I've had enough you. of this, yeah. Nelson. There's nothing else to do. His name's not Nelson, it's Jack. <laughs> so once one partner decides to reach heaven's pearly gates, <laughs> that 100K of passive income is preserved. And, okay, the goal's $2.5 million. How close were they? So they were on track for $750,000. Great. So the gap is about 1.75 mil is what they'd need to build in 10 years. So we, we talked a lot about this, especially because we've got a slight age gap as well. And there's always a compromise, which I talk to my investors about, which is how many assets do you want or how big a passive income do you want and how much time do we have? Because the more time we have, the less we have to do. And so what we decided is actually we want to set this to 15 years to get that slightly higher income. So Jack is in a role where he can continue that. It's not a physically laborious role and he was very happy to do so, happy to continue to work after 65. Well, if he works for the government, it wouldn't be a laborious (laughs) role, would it? (laughs) I think one of the really important things that Sammy's pointed out here as well, because the longer you can hold your assets, the more valuable they become and the more equity you've got. So sometimes the golden goose strategy is quite challenging for people who are closer to retirement. So if you can push that retirement age past 65, and it doesn't necessarily mean you have to retire later than 65, you just have to know that your plan for the properties lasts longer than that. So for example, just to put that into context, you might say, okay, well, for the first five years of retirement, 65 to 70, I'm going to fund that myself. And then from 70 onwards, I need my property portfolio. Then you get an extra five years with capital growth. So effectively, what we're talking about is you might live off your KiwiSaver for the first five years, but then in your property plan, you don't include KiwiSaver within that because you're going to use that. So that's some of the things that you can do to make the modelling work. Okay, so they've got a pretty ambitious goal, 1.75 mil of assets, net assets in today's money, quite a lot in 15 years. 
how many properties you're going to need. So we calculated that they only needed two properties. No. Yep, as long as we (laughs) did it in the next three years. Okay. So the two properties in the next three years. So they need to take action pretty quickly so that they don't muck around. What have they done? So what they've done is we had a pre-approval for them for $800,000. And in their minds, of course, coming from Nelson and looking at the other markets, they assumed there's no way we could get into Auckland, right? 800K is not going to be enough. Of course not. But what we did is we found them a property in Auckland for less than 800K. And so what that meant is in our initial plan, we were budgeting off things like a 5% capital growth rate. And what we actually could do is get something in Auckland, higher capital growth rate, get them closer to closing that gap. Now, was it 799990? It was 779999. Awesome, close enough. Yeah, that's good. So two bedroom townhouse somewhere? Yes. Awesome. Whereabouts in Auckland are we talking? That was in Glen Eden. Glen Eden, that's really good. Cool, so that's West Auckland just for anybody who's, who's not Living in Auckland? Or who is it? Doesn't know where Glen Eden is. And what is the next part? Well, don't laugh at me. I lived in Auckland for a long time and I didn't know where Glen Eden was until I Googled it. Now, tell me, that was the first property, so that's wonderful. We'll talk about the process of purchasing that and how it's gone. What was the second property that you're planning on them including within their plan? Well, what was really interesting is we initially talked about something outside of Auckland, if we can, diversify around location. And if we were purchasing it today, it would probably be Christchurch, right? One in Christchurch, one in Auckland. But we were thinking about it being three years away. And so we don't know what the markets are going to look like. We'll reassess at that time. However, since then, they've become so motivated by the direction that we've put them in. They've been so motivated by being able to get into Auckland that they've completely changed up their spending habits completely. When I called them to say congratulations on confirming, they said, oh, we might get some takeout. That's as celebratory as going out for a fancy dinner for us because we have completely cut our spending. They're actively working with their mortgage broker and we should be able to get them into another property potentially next year. That's awesome. That's great because one of the things that's going to be tough for them is depending on the term of their existing owner-occupier, which might be, I don't know what it is, but let's say it's 10 years and they're actively trying to pay that down, you know, that could impact their servicing. Of course, you could extend it out. Extend the term while you get the loan. Yeah, Um, but but one of the issues is that they're a bit older. So, you know, we Mm -hmm. just did an episode on how old is too old. It's good that these guys are taking action on the earlier side before the bank starts to ask some questions. But also as soon as you've managed to get the finance and settle that next property, you can go back to maybe spending a bit more money because your loan's already in place. No, no, no. We've got to keep them on the $2 takeout at the McDonald's hash browns so they can bust that mortgage. Did the uh, the government not give expense cards like we do? (laughs) (laughs) And how much have they changed up their spending habits? Talk to us about that and why have they decided to do that if they were kind of living it up large is what you said at the start. Yeah, so I think the big thing is they've dragged their feet for for lack of a better term, for the last two years. So they've been thinking about this for a really long time and they've been talking to different people and not been taking action. And I think getting into this property, actually confirming on it, actually making a plan, they're really motivated now. And the other thing is, when you don't have something to commit to, it's really easy to spend your money. But once you've you know got something that's actually locked in, you're far more likely to make that sacrifice because it's just pie in the sky before that. Exactly right. So you'd mentioned that these guys had talked to a couple of financial advisors. And look, I don't want you to just talk yourself up, Stevie. But what I do want to know is... 
What was it about some of the other financial advisors that didn't work for them? Because that's interesting. We don't meet that many people who've gone out and actively sought to get a lot of financial advice. So the the biggest difference or or the first thing that they brought up in in the meeting was, hey, we've spoken to these other people and they've suggested X, Y, Z. They've suggested that we invest in this property, but they can't tell us why. They can't do the numbers. They can't answer our questions around what's happening in that market. They're, They're tiptoeing around it. And what I would say is we're relatively frank about properties and about what's going on in the market. And Again, not to talk us up or, or yourself, Ed, but we do quite a bit of research. <laughs> no, you can talk me up. <laughs> but we do quite a bit of research, right? So they wanted someone to say, this is what you need to do. Go and do it right now. This is the research that we've done. And they hadn't they hadn't come across that. Oh, so it wasn't that they were looking at, say, a budgeting advisor and then they were talking to, say, somebody who was advising them on shares. They were always looking at property. Yes, Okay, interesting. Right, let's wrap it up there, but please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And hey, if you want to go through that same wealth planning process that Jack and Lisa went through, then your next step is to come in for a portfolio planning session. Hey, really easy way to sign up for that. Flick us a text. Our number's 5522. Text us the word plan, and we'll give you a buzz. See if it's the right fit for you. to the Property Academy podcast. I'm your host, Edward Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of the New Zealand property market. Until next time, 